Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. New to the show? Let me break it down for you, nice and simple. My name's Matt McLaughlin. I am the creator and host of most episodes. On the show, I bring on friends and interview some very interesting guests. Here to talk sports, music, entertainment, and we're not going to leave anything off the table. We're here to bruise egos. My generation of common is him just being on Microsoft commercials. No running back should ever be in an MVP consideration. Eat up, bud! Eat up! We ask hard-hitting questions. Goodfellas are the godfather. This is dangerous work down here. Better guitarist with the name Jimmy. Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page. Are aliens real, yes or no? And have incredible moments that will leave you wondering. What the hell's going on out here? Thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the show. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I'm your host, as always, Matt McLaughlin, here back with Timmy Gorman. Going to be talking about uh, the recent playoff results in the NBA because the Phillies are dead at this point until the NBA season ends. So we don't really give a shit about them. Um, And we're just going to keep talking about the NBA playoffs because that's the most interesting thing that's going on right now. Um, and just kind of updating as the uh, series is, is, I don't know if that's correct, but the series progresses um, and the postseason continues. So we're recording this on Monday night. Uh, happy Memorial Day, belated Memorial Day, but nonetheless, happy Memorial Day. Um, and the Sixers just lost to the Wizards. It's their first loss in this series. So now the Wizards avoid getting swept and the Sixers now will go back to Philly to finish out the series uh, this week. It is important to note Joel Embiid does leave after taking a hard fall on a block dunk. Uh, He was trying to dunk it, just landed hard, and he was done after really the first quarter. He just didn't look the same and eventually went to the locker room and they ruled him out for the rest of the game, which I think is a smart move just to start things off. I think it's a smart move. You don't, you have your 3 0 up in the series you don't necessarily need to play your all-star franchise center in a game that you're likely going to win back at home, especially down the stretch. If anyone was watching the shot selection without Joel Embiid was poor, but Seth Curry, he makes some of those open mid range jumpers at home. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind. I think being on the road was a tough environment. The wizards fan base was acting like they just won the championship and it's, a reminder to me that the Sixers still have this series locked up in my opinion. I don't think this really changes anything. If they can go back home, lock it up later this week, just give Joel Embiid as much time as possible to rest and hope that that Knicks Hawks series goes seven games to really stretch out the recovery timetable. I think that would be ideal. Um, I think the Knicks will come back and really make that series a bit tougher Don't know if it'll go seven, but I think six is within reason. Uh, But we're going to talk about that later. We're going to be talking about all the other uh, matchups, but we just wanted to talk about the Sixers first and foremost. Um, And coming into this uh, game four, Joel Embiid was averaging 29.3 points per game on 67% shooting. Just unreal. Um, And Danny Green, Seth Curry were stepping up and, Tyrese Maxey was getting some great minutes down the stretch and really showing up. And he really impressed me. He was a guy that was really just looked comfortable in the crunch time. And when the Sixers needed a bucket, he was a guy that Doc Rivers could call on and really step into that Lou role, Lou Williams role 
of coming off the bench and just giving you buckets when you need it. And for a rookie, that's impressive. And that's a huge step. Once the Sixers do make the next round, I think that'll pay dividends even more uh, towards the, whoever they face next. Um, and I'm not, I'm not totally shaken by this. The Philly mentality is that all of a sudden the Sixers are going to lose this series, but I think this is just a hiccup in the road. Once they get back home, the shots will start falling and they'll get back on the right track and close out this series. But uh, Timmy, what were your thoughts on this series? Are you worried or do you think that, you know, things are going to be fine in the end? Um, I mean, I was extremely happy going into tonight's game, uh, especially after games two and three. Um, you know, I think we said in the uh, prior to the play in games, was it two weeks ago now that yeah. um, I said that the Wizards were a team that scared me just a little bit because not that like I think we would lose a series, but just mainly because one of the main things in playoff basketball is, you know, who has the best player on the floor. And while obviously when healthy, it's Joel, um, them having Westbrook and uh, Beal scared me a little bit just because they would always go out there with the mentality that they are the best players, even if they're not. And that would just give the Wizards some juice. Um, and then game one got me a little nervous because it kind of showed that in a mm -hmm. way, yeah, almost. Um, and then obviously, you know, it kind of came – to fruition that that wasn't the truth um once we you know the Sixers it, it maybe it was the Sixers just shaking off some rust uh mm -hmm. that said tonight's game was extremely frustrating uh, not to sound like a typical uh fan you know here but the refs and we'll get into them later just league-wide but again we're super inconsistent um I, there doesn't seem to be uh, any real idea on what is a foul and what's not a foul. Um, not even from game to game, just game to game. It's possession to possession almost. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, players are getting hit with fouls when they don't even touch the, the guys. And then, then two positions later, you can have your arm hacked off and like, the ball, the loose ball, and the other team's going the other way for a breakaway layup or dunk. And it's like, wait a minute, you just got me at the other end because I waved my arm near the guy, never even touched him. Yeah. And he, but it, he, you know, as he was going up, he, he feigned an injury or like, you know, screamed and did the, you know, Ronaldo and was like, ah, like he just got <laughs> shot to death. And, um, it's yeah so it's just you know uh obviously it's like, it's like it's like that um not to cut you off there but like it's it's like the couple of years ago when the nfl was dealing with the what's a catch crisis and everyone right. was like what what a, what is a catch is yeah possession all that type of shit and yeah it's frustrating as a fan to being like a player just has to yell and one or yell in general and then throw their head back and that's the ref's gonna call a foul right and it's um yeah it, you know there's play acting there's a lot of things that go into it and i understand that it's not easy but it's just um you know like for example it, on that on the thing that knocked them beat out of the game robin lopez did not get all ball 
he definitely got a part of Embiid's wrist. Agreed. That wasn't a clean block in any way. He definitely hit him with his body a little bit. And they made no call on it. It's how we lose Embiid for the game, what we assume anyway. They're, they're not really saying. Because he fell on his ass and somehow was in uh, sore knee that killed him for the rest of the game. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things, though. And as I was saying to you before we got him on, I was texting you and was saying, you know, the one of the more frustrating things outside of it's becoming extremely infuriating that it seems like just like you're always waiting for Joel to like for his next little Nick to come up. And it's like, I get it. I get the idea that it's hard for somebody of his, like with his body type and the way he moves and, you know, like he's, it's somebody with his size is supposed to move the way he moves. So, you know, it's, it's a physical game, but it really is becoming infuriating. And, and you really, this, when this stuff happens, you start to think like, are we ever, is he ever going to be like able to just overcome this shit or, or no. And we're just never going to win a championship with him. We're always going to get that build up where it's like, this could be the year. And then boom, done again. Or boom, like, you know, it's like, and I, obviously I think... it's the first round. And I think they might just be pulling a LeBron because they thought they had this game in the bag or the series in the bag and that they were just like, you know, let's just rest them. And let's see. And, you know, they almost pulled it out. The The final score doesn't really reflect how close that game was with a minute to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we shot almost 20% percentage points less than what the Wizards shot. They shot eight more foul shots, which isn't a whole lot. Um, and they shot almost 80% from the line where the Sixers shot about 63. Um, the whole hack of Ben thing. I get it. It's strategy. But at the same time, I don't like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like the whole thing of the intentional foul is like you're making no attempt on the ball. So how is running up and just grabbing a player doesn't have the ball, not an intentional foul. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. That's a very good question. Um, like I guess I have to read the rule book more closely. Not that I'm ever going to, because I'm not that <laughs> pathetic, but. Just, I just scanning, scanning the yeah, right. Fine glass, right? Like section one A dash B two, and you know you clearly talk, states. We, I know we're very anti stat nerds here, but anti rule nerds are probably worse. No one likes yeah. that kid on the playground. No, pretty ag- agreed. So I don't. There was just a lot of. It's just a frustrating. Tonight was just one of those frustrating games. They still almost pulled it out. Mm-hmm. I guess. All in all, the mo- really what irritates me out more outside of Joel and the healthiness, and hopefully he it, it, it is just a well. Let's just set him and see if we can win this game without him. Um, and I'm just overreacting. I, I would like to look stupid than rather be right. Yeah. Um, in this situation anyway. Um, but my, my other big thing with it is is that it just seems like the team, especially on offense like we just lose our identity the second he leaves and it's just like like it got really bad there for like a quarter and a half where there was just no cohesiveness just people picking up the dribble not running the offense just standing around taking bad shots late in the shot clock Tobias I really love this this season and this playoffs he's been really good attacking but I think we found out tonight ISO Tobias is not what we need 
because Agreed. he got his shot rejected a good seven to eight times tonight, and it was bad. I yeah. mean, it was bad. It, it showed his lack of athleticism or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But he's good when he's in attack mode, but when he's literally isoing out, like, dude, Ish Smith blocking your shot is not a good thing. No, not at all. I agree. And um, just to kind of talk about a few things here, like the losing the identity part, that's going to happen because that is the team's identity. Joel Embiid is the team's identity. And who are you? You're going to go to Dwight Howard in the post. Like it's not just like a, a plug and play type thing. Right. And I agree. I totally agree on the Tobias Harris point that ISO Toby is not what the Sixers want. That's not how they're going to be successful. And I think that's more of just an on the fly doc, just trying to come up with something when Joel Embiid's out and he's trying to deal with all this, I think given a couple of days rest and a couple of days to game plan and manage, they're going to figure out an effective pick and roll scheme with Toby and Ben or with Seth Curry and Toby and, you know, figure out those matchups and really exploit them later on in, in the next game at, at minimum. Um, so I think that I, I credit that more to just doc trying to come up with some magic and try and unlock that Toby from, was it game one or two when he had like 30 in the first half? Uh, game one, he had 37. Yeah. And so, he, he saved us. He won us that game. Yeah. Basically. No, yeah, exactly. I think that, <laughs> I think that was just more of, like I said, doc trying to come up with something new and try and figure things out on the fly after hearing that Embiid's not going to be there the rest of the game. Right. No, it's yeah. And it's, and I'm like, I'm fine with him continuing to attack. He just we're like, yeah. Him trying to back somebody down, it's just, it's just, you know, he was a lot smarter about the way he was attacking. You know, he has those weird drives where he he can get the angle on someone, and you're like, all right, well, how is he going to get that shot over so and so? And then he does those like weird layups where he's like almost shooting like a two handed like layup. Yeah, it's it, weird. It's, it's a very it's a very weird layup, but like he makes it work because he he figures out the angle. But tonight that wasn't it. He was trying to like go one-on-one past people that are faster around and it's like i just yeah it was we still need him so and then obviously the other thing is is the ben shooting thing it's yeah. like i get it it's beaten to death but tonight really was an it brought it back up for me where it's just like dude you gotta learn how to fucking shoot the ball man you really like you cannot go two for what was that 11 tonight or what what did he shoot? I mean, he hadn't I mean, made a foul shot all series until tonight. He, he was, was 0 for 10. Four, 4 for 5 from the field, 5 for 11 from the free throw line, which even if he makes all those, assuming the final score stays the same, plus 6 points, Sixers still lose by 2. Um, But, yeah, I, I get it. it, Wait, it what, brings... what was the final score? I thought they only lost by 8. Oh, plus 6. Sorry, I'm thinking he was 0 yeah. for 11. You're, my, my bad, my bad. No, you're good. Um, I just, I, I get it. He needs to shoot. I don't think it's so much a learning to shoot. It's just learning to get over that mental hump. Like we've talked about since Brent Brown was the fucking head coach. Switch so, hands. That's what it is. Just switch hands. I, I, I've, I've never liked that theory that, that with that dumbass Kevin O'Connor from the <laughs> ringer that always comes up with him. Not He's just annoying. Oh, I, yeah. He's shooting with the wrong hand. Okay. It sounds yeah, like he's, he's swallowing the microphone. Yeah, like because you're an NBA exec, but anyway, regardless, 
Well, that sounds hypocritical because I'm doing the same thing that he does, just not as professional. Listen, we're as he just is. a couple. We're just a couple of sports stooges. No one really cares right. about our exactly. Opinions. But if that's what it takes, man, go hire a shooting coach. It's unacceptable that you're you're getting paid as much money as you are, and you are whether it's stubbornness, whether it's a lack of just caring. I don't know, but at this point, you know. Yes, your defense is great. Yes, you should win the defensive player of the year over that, you know, pussy in Utah, Gobert. But uh, it doesn't take away from the fact that there's there's two ways to play. Him being just as good on defense and sucking on offense is just as much of a detriment as someone like Lou Williams who can't guard a kindergartner. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so, so is it fair to say that, yeah, no, like just to kind of wrap up this, like, is it fair to say, I'm just thinking out loud, like Ben Simmons is now facing a crossroads of two different trajectories. He can be either Scottie Pippen and be one of the best, you know, one part of one of the best one, two punches the league has ever seen, or he could be Kristaps Porzingis and really good talent but just never really fulfilled it. And well, there's now, more, there's better, there's better examples, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Those are like just two off the top like, of my head. Just talking about like, like thinking about the Tim Thomas or, you know, yeah. all those guys, you know, that would come to mind. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely at that point. I think, yeah, I, I think this is finally the, 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 you know, um, sink or swim camel's yeah. back yeah i think this is the sink or swim part where it's no matter how far we go in these playoffs if he can't come back next year and shoot above 75 percent from the free throw line and effectively make even if they're just mid-range jumpers i'm not talking about going out there and becoming steph curry i'm just saying having the ability to pull up and hit a mid-ranger like yeah. Chris Paul does yeah it's not you know you he should be able to and with his height in the position he plays, he should be able to get shots over people easily. Yeah, it, it you know what it I mean? just doesn't it's, make any sense. He just hasn't pulled the trigger. He just hasn't pulled the trigger. Yeah. Oh, and also, fuck the Washington fans. Like, guys, <laughs> you're still down three games to one. Yeah. Your team is a sub-500 team, and the only reason you're in the playoffs is because there was this weird-ass play-in tournament, and – you're in the Eastern Conference where for the better part of two decades now, we have been the Eastern Conference. I, when I say we, because the Sixers are in the East, the, Sixers, the Eastern Conference has been the lesser of the two conferences. So, like, let's not get this twisted where this is like, you know, the conference semis or the conference finals, and you guys just tied the series up at two. And yeah. it's going, like, you know, you're <laughs> I was still noticing down- that too. I was like, Bro, come on. This is still 3-1. Like, I already know right. Ben's going to lock, gonna show up in game five and lock down Russ or whatever. And Yeah, it's like you guys, you guys won because our best player and possibly one of the five best players in the league basically got benched because yeah. – or got, got, got was told to sit out for precautionary reasons most likely. And you guys still need it until the last minute in some favorable calls – to mm-hmm. get there. Also, it pains me to say this now as a Gonzaga fan, but <laughs> after tonight, like rematch or more, like shut up, dude. You average what, like twelve points a game on a team that finished four games under five hundred, 
is the eighth seed in the weak ass conference. Like, and like, I don't mind dude, that. I don't mind that that much just because he's a young guy. He's hyped up. This is his first postseason. He's just home crowd for the first time in a year. Like, I, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, like if it, he was their star doing it, I get that. Like, where he's the star, the young star that led a team back. But it's like, dude, you're still a role player. And it's just like, and I, like I said, it pains me to say that because I loved him, especially at Gonzaga. And, but it's just like the whole, like, you just slam down a dunk for maybe what your sixth and seventh, like your seventh and eighth points of the night. And then just to scream at the bias that, like, he didn't even really put him on a poster. And it's just like, I don't know. If anything, he's lucky he did that to somebody like Tobias Harris and not like Mike Scott. Because if he did it to oh, Mike, Mike Scott, Scott, I'm pretty sure hands. he would have, there would have been two hit, two hits. You, I hit you, you hit floor. Yeah, so, exactly. I just that just you know, and I think it just goes along with the whole Washington fan, the whole team, and it's just like I love Westbrook, but I hate when you have to play against them because it makes me just like he just irritates the shit out of me. And Davis Bertans, like he must shoot like fifty percent against us and like thirty percent against the rest of the league. I swear he only kills the Sixers. It it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, but we both know. The Sixers are going to wrap this shit up game five. When's the, right, next, yeah. when's the next game Thursday? Yeah, because I think it's the whole uh, four day rest period at this point in the season. Um, oh, wait. No way. Is it Tuesday or no? Thursday? No. Why am I? Why can't I count? Tomorrow's the first, right? Correct, sir. Yeah, so Wednesday. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's relatively close. Um, yeah. So we both think Sixers are going to win out. Don't think that's really a shocker. Uh, Miami. Hopefully Joel's okay. Hopefully Joel's okay. Uh, we'll see how, if any reports come out overnight. Uh, Milwaukee obliterates the Miami Heat, sweeps them. One of the most thorough ass beatings I've ever seen uh, in a long time uh, in a playoff series. Now, granted, Miami doesn't have Victor Oladipo. This isn't the bubble. I mean, people are always going to bring that up, that this isn't the bubble. This doesn't favor Miami's culture and everything like that. And it leaves a lot of question marks now with the scoring. This is a completely different Milwaukee team that we have seen in the playoffs in past years. One, because of Drew Holiday. And two, because of the defensive adjustments of trying to switch out and press up more on shooters coming off screens which Miami destroyed them with in the bubble. And now I think Milwaukee is just on a completely diff different level. And everything that we thought about Milwaukee, or at least I thought about Milwaukee coming in the playoffs, that all just got thrown out of the window with this series. Giannis answered the bell, averaged 24 points, 15 rebounds, and almost eight assists per game in this series. Drew Holiday has been consistent at the point guard position, 15 points, almost six rebounds and six assists on 48% shooting. It's such a huge upgrade to go from Drew Eric Bledsoe to Drew Holiday that now this the potential of this team is unlocked even more. And I've been impressed. I think the bigger storyline is where does Miami go from here in the offseason now that uh, they go from the finals to being the only team in the first round to get swept. You know Pat Riley's going to be looking to sign free agents. You know he's going to be looking to make moves in the offseason. And um, so I think that's going to be the bigger storyline coming out of this. So 
we already know Milwaukee. Milwaukee's great. We're going to see how they handle Brooklyn because Brooklyn's most likely going to uh, finish off Boston in, in this week. Where where do you think Miami goes from here? Um. So I think the I think the big thing is, um, like you said, I agree. Drew Holiday is a big. It's a big like they got rid of Bledsoe and Holiday's defense. The fact that he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't get the yips in the playoffs. He's definitely one of the more underrated players of the last decade. Um, he just brought some stability to that team and relieved the pressure. Um, Middleton has stepped up. And uh, thirdly, I think it's also that this just shows how weird that bubble was last year. Um, they lost some players. Jay Crowder was a big guy to them. And while he's not like an all-star, you see the impact he's having on Phoenix. He was huge in that game yesterday yeah. in that win. You're getting real um, minutes with Phoenix. Yeah. He, he's a he's a clutch shooter. And he, he's a – yeah, he's a good player. And uh, so I think that, you know, it kind of shows um, how different – like how, how you have to basically view that bubble season, not put an asterisk next to like the Lakers title or anything like that, but just kind of look at it with um, it, it kind of like through a different, vacuum, through like a different, yeah, exactly. Like it's in it's, it's in own a vacuum. space, and it's like it's its own season. Like it's just weird. It's just weird, and not many teams are ready for that. And that just really benefited Miami's culture, right? And the, yeah, because they're one of the one of the organizations that has a stronger culture throughout the team. It's it's always going to be like that. That's how Pat Riley has built that organization. Um, so that helped prevail because as you, a lot of these players have come out and said, you know, their minds weren't right. And I can, I can understand that, man. You're especially for those guys who are away from their families and, you know, some of them are, had just had babies and, and um, you know, you get to be, you have to be away from your wife and your kids and all this other stuff. And, you know, that takes a toll on you when you're just sitting there and it's like, think about how much of a toll it took on our, us normal people just fucking being locked in our houses yep. all the time. Now, now you're locked inside a, a, a hotel room for, you know, X amount of months. And your only relief is you get to go from there to the gym, to either practice or play basketball. You're eating shitty food. You don't get to see your loved ones. And while your teammates and all people are great, it's like, yeah, man, that's awesome. But I kind of like, we like to wake up from next to you know my wife once in a while or something, yeah, you know that wouldn't be you know bad. What I mean? or yeah. even the people that aren't in married you know just being like i'd like to wake up next to a female or something like that you know what i mean and uh, i can understand why how those guys were definitely you know it, it could eat away you know the it was eating away at our sanity just being locked in a house mm-hmm. those guys in general it's you know and uh, also because as a lot of these guys have come out and said, you know, if you're a professional athlete, you're supposed to be this big macho man. And the mental health thing has always been something that has been, you know, frowned upon, not just in sports and society in general. And I think that is one of the better things that has come out over these this last decade where people have been more open about it. I know as someone myself that struggles with anxiety and depression has had issues for, you know, most of my life with that kind of stuff it sucks and when like you're like in a hole and you're drowning and there's just nothing that you can get out of it 
Like imagine not being able to talk to someone because you have to swallow that deep down inside. And if you've been dealing with that for most of your life, and for a lot of these guys that come from communities, um, especially especially for the, the guys who come from like the African-American community, it really is something that is not talked about. And they, they tell mm-hmm. you that. These players come out and say, yeah. oh, you don't talk about that stuff where I come from. And it sucks, man, because it can drive you crazier. And I'm sorry, I know I'm going on a tangent, an off-way tangent here. Um, I'm digressing, but yeah, so – that's where that is one of the thing, one of the main reasons why you, like you said, look at it in a vacuum. Yeah. And that the Heat were one of the, the teams that were built to sustain that kind of shit. And it, it showed. And, you know, they got hot. They had Jimmy, who's a good mm-hmm. leader. Who someone Tyler Hero take, was on fire in the bubble. Yeah. Hero and Hero and um, Duggan Robinson. Yeah, thank you. It's like, what's the other white boy's name? Duncan Robinson couldn't <laughs> miss. You know, they had Jay Crowder. They were getting good top play. Bam had his coming out party. It was, you know, it, it, it was what it was. And, um, and you know, this year they suffered from some COVID, COVID stuff, some injuries. They never really got going. They tried to make the big old depot trade. He got injured within four games, um, which sucks for them and him. Because, so, so you know, would you, you would you re-sign Oladipo if you're Miami? Uh, one year. I'd one see year how he's very – uh, i give him a one-year prove-a-deal. I, I mean, that's all he's going to get at this point. He no yeah. one's going to give him a contract. And it sucks because, you know, when he's on, he's a good player. But, yeah, I agree. You you're, you you hit it on the head, though. It, Pat Riley's going to make some changes. There's going to be it, some shade. And he, he has to. Like, I'm looking at the Miami draft capital situation – they only have one first round pick over the next three drafts, including this. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Only, only Where do one they trade tra- all their picks to? Oh, Oladipo was one, I guess. Probably. Um, yeah. And the Goran Dragic trade. And like, I'm just scrolling through what? this. What? The Goran Dragic trade was like 2014. Yeah. First round, Miami's own pick sent to Phoenix and trade for Goran Dragic on February 19, 2015. Miami's for what this year of 2021? Yeah, they could trade. You can trade that far into the future. Apparently, I don't know. Apparently, I'm not going to get into that whole mess because that whole CBA mess. Even no network can untangle that type of web. Um, yeah, but, that's crazy. Yeah, because then that means there's no immediate help coming. But, but, the, but you know what they always have working for them, Matt? It's it's Miami. It's literally outside of LA. It's yeah. the premier destination in the NBA. And I say even more than New York because it's always warm. Yeah, Miami's always warm. Cold. New York, it's, it's always warm, and there's always beautiful women on the beach. You know, and for a lot of professional athletes, that's all they care about. Jeez. And you know what I mean? So I'd it's like, happily pack my ass up in Miami. Yeah, so it's like, you know, and uh, while New York has – the lore of MSG, um, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, LA and Miami are always going to be two of the premier destinations to go to. Yeah, I agree. Um, maybe Kawhi. They ju- they just have to find. Yeah, you, Kawhi Leonard, like he may leave the Clippers. Who knows how that situation is going to um, unfold? Woj, I think earlier, like either maybe less than a month ago said that there's really been no noise 
I'm paraphrasing obviously, but there's really been no noise about Kawhi leaving or frustrated with the organization or anything like that. And he's just happy where he's at geographically. And it makes sense. He's in LA. He's not dealing with the pressure of playing for the Lakers and he's in his hometown and he's doing everything that he wants to do. So I don't necessarily blame him there. Um, I think Miami has to find a big man. Their front court got exposed. They have to find – it can't just be Preston Zatua and Bam Adebayo. they got to find a defender, a big-body defender that can really stick up to the Brooke Lopez's, the Giannis's, and just play defense. Don't need to yeah, much one of those one of those guys got to develop a shot of some some sort or an offensive – like, I love Bam, but it, it, he's, he's, he's basically this place – yeah. He's basically just Tyson Chandler, and that doesn't work in today's NBA. No, not at all. Um, and I, I agree. You sign Oladipo to a one-year deal, prove a deal, maybe two years, just depending on how this rehab works out. And he may not play next year just because right. it's so late in the season. Um, they said November. They really? said he thinks okay. he, he can play in November. Okay, that's good news. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami makes some moves – um, like we kind of talked about. Oh, they're going they, to. They, he's, they, he's, they gotta he, do something. It's Pat, they gotta it's do Pat something. Riley. Yeah. And you can't waste you can't waste what good years you have left of Jimmy Butler and Spolstra. Not like Spolstra still has plenty of years to go as a coach, but yeah. he's one of he's still he's he's definitely doesn't get the love he should because you know people probably look at that. But Spolstra of all the coaches LeBron has had, I would venture to say Spolstra is the only one that actually was coaching the, those teams. Okay. I mean, you know I, would what I, mean? Argue, I would, I would argue Ty Lue, but I would, I would agree that no, I, not I'd go the Frank way Spolster Vogel. was, but I, I'd, I'd go Frank Vogel over Ty Lue. Uh, I, all right, fine. I don't know. I don't know. That's fine. That's a whole nother separate debate. Right. Right. But the point is Spolster is, a great coach and it feels like he's just been coaching for so long that people just forget about him and he's just been there so consistently that it's it's nuts to think that he's still coaching this these heat teams at a competitive level at minimum Mm -hmm. and he's part of that culture yeah he's part of that 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 culture he's one of riley's i don't think udonis haslam's gonna die like i just don't think he's gonna die it's not just the culture and the players like he clearly was drawing up the right stuff and organizing the right game plans to get them to that that final series last year. So, yeah. Yeah. Though, unfortunately, I think they're just kind of like, you, you know, that you, the snake whose head you can't cut off. Like they will, uh, yeah. They'll always gonna... just kind of be lurking and it, it'll be in stretches where they're big and then middling and big, but um, they'll get somebody. They'll get mm-hmm. somebody for sure. Uh, another Eastern Conference series that looks like it's going to be wrapped up soon. Uh, Brooklyn Nets are up three to one on the Boston Celtics. Not really any surprise there. Uh, the biggest story was in Brooklyn's last win, uh, a fan threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving, which led to his arrest. And I'm going to talk about the fan incidents at towards the end of the show about my old man yelling at the cloud. I don't really want to get into that now, mm. but um, either way, Brooklyn wins. Uh the big three is firing on all cylinders. Uh, according to ESPN stats and info, uh, they're the first trio to score 95 plus points in back to back playoff games, which is so insane. terrifying. And and insane. have two have two guys score 35 points or more 
in consecutive games. In consecutive playoff games. The last team to do that, 1962 with Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. Jerry West. And I don't even think the three-pointer was like a thing back then. Like the three-point line. It didn't didn't exist. Yeah. So Jerry West and Elgin Baylor are scoring 35-plus points in consecutive playoff games with no three-point line. That's what makes Pete Maravich's records that much more impressive. He did it all without pretty much the majority of his career without a three-point line. Underrated, underrated point guard. Underrated. Yeah, unfortunately, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he died when he did. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, Boston, we already know. Jason Tatum, he's unguardable. As much as I hate to admit it, he's on Boston. He's unguardable. He, anytime, even the big three, he's losing Kyrie on screens. He can sidestep and shake up KD with a few crossovers, and he can blow by Blake Griffin with his well, acceleration and first step. I'm not saying Blake Griffin's like this all team, all first team defender, but not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, he's just such a mismatch problem that mm-hmm. it's he's just undermanned. And Marcus Smart isn't necessarily helping. Tristan Thompson is not helping. Um, losing Kemba. Robert Williams, Robert Williams and Kemba not staying healthy is really hurting this team. Um, so it just, to me, it looks like it's too much. I know Tatum's going to probably have a massive performance, uh, in their next game, whenever it is, I shouldn't know this, but I don't, um, it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah. Tomorrow night, seven 30. Uh, so I think we're already kind of looking ahead as fans to a Brooklyn Milwaukee matchup, which How should be you- exciting. It's going to be very exciting. I want to see how Giannis, uh, steps up to the big three and how this, Milwaukee team is really going to handle itself in the brightest lights possible. How do you think this series is going to shake out? <sighs> Just early, early predictions. So, like, this is another thing that's kind of bugging me is how, like, reactionary we are to the moment and how we, as sports fans and people who cover sports for a living, and how they forget past events. And how, like, the last week, everyone's basically just spent, like, blowing Milwaukee for their performance. Like, yes, they looked great. They they, mm-hmm. they shook off the Demons. They they won a close game one on a clutch shot by Middleton. And then they basically just went and bent Miami over a table. But we also discovered how this Miami team is not the same as the one that beat them last year. Yep. They are missing players that they had from last year. The players that were performing aren't performing at the same level. They need to make some changes. So it's like, all right, yes, let's laud my, my Milwaukee. And I think it's more of a um, people are trying to make up for the fact that they, like Giannis had such a great year, but because everyone was so busy talking about Joel and Jokic and then Steph and all the other, and like Dame and everybody else. Um. Giannis was trying to get was kind of getting lost in the shuffle and I think now this is kind of people trying to be like oh well then look at this and they finally maybe this is the the season they get over the hump and they made the adjustments and oh look at it they're finally uh they're finally you know correcting all the things that were stopping them in the last couple postseason it's like yeah that might be true but it's like let's see them play a real team first yeah exactly let's see them actually play a team that has more than one star 
and has like actual role players that are proven in this <laughs> league complete, outside a of complete one, team right outside of one um you know outside of one you know magical run in the bubble um i would like to see it go to seven especially if joel's fine in the sixers advance and had them beat the shit out of each other so that we can get a weak a little, little bit of a weaker opponent. Yeah. Um, if we get to the final of the cup finals. <laughs> Excuse me. Um that said, I just I don't I don't I just don't think anyone's stopping the heat if they continue to play like this. The heat? Or sorry, you know what I mean. The uh the the Nets. I'm thinking <laughs> of the original I'm thinking of the original big three. My bad. Uh, yeah. Um, dad brain, (laughs) 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 um, minimal sleep, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I, I just, unfortunately, uh, you know, maybe they can pull it off. You know, they, they probably have the advantage in the coaching department and, you know, um, holiday's going to probably lock down either Harden or Kyrie. That's that's and, who I think is going to make the biggest difference. Like Drew Holiday is just such a a huge huge X factor in this series. That and then it, it comes down to Middleton. Can he can he hold up his end while Giannis goes and does what Giannis does? Yeah. Um, and and they have a little bit of a height advantage down low. You know, with Lopez. Yeah. No, that's completely fair. I think that it's going to be such a weird series to call because Milwaukee has, in my opinion, the more complete roster and more complete all around team. Brooklyn mm-hmm. is just more top heavy, kind of like, kind of like the Super Bowl this past year, Super Bowl with Tampa Bay and Kansas city, Tampa Bay, in my opinion, was the more complete roster, but Kansas city just have more weapons on top of that roster with Mahomes Hill and, you know, Kelsey and all that. I I think this will be in a sport like basketball. I think this is kind of people overthinking things and trying to gas out Milwaukee a little bit. And I think once the balls hit the court and, you know, everyone gets warmed up and gets going, Katie and Kyrie and Harden are just going to do their thing and they're going to light you up and going to do their best to play well defensively. But in the end, I don't think it's going to matter that much. Um, Giannis is going to get his 20 to 30 at, at minimum, uh, in this series. Drew Holiday, I think, can get 10, not 10, I think he get 15 to 20 per game. I think Middleton's going to be an interesting matchup. Who is Brooklyn going to throw out there to really guard him? Um, but I just see Brooklyn just with all the momentum and just dominating Boston in this series. That, yes, Milwaukee swept Miami. But in the end, Milwaukee now has to travel to Brooklyn for most of the series. And I think it will go seven games. I think it's going to be really tight. But in the end, games on – you have three guys. Kyrie talked about this before the season started. He has There are three guys on that team who can take the last shot. If it comes down to the wire, who Four. are you really going to trust Even on that on that Milwaukee Joe team? Yeah. Like, who are you going to trust on that Milwaukee team to take the last shot? Not even Giannis is really that that trustworthy in those type of late games. Yeah, it situations. goes to Chris Middleton. You saw that. Yeah, in game one of the Miami series, that game went to overtime, and um, he drilled the game winner. But other than that, I'm not really trusting Drew Holiday out here to win game winners. 
I'm not trusting Giannis unless we can get a good post up and a good seal down low or drive. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's really relying on the officials to make calls to get the free throws mm-hmm. down the stretch or make man, the right calls anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I think Brooklyn's going to win. I hope it's really close. Like you said, so we can get one of the weaker opponents if the Sixers make it that far. Um, I think they will, but basketball gods, you never know. Um, so yeah, I just I just really I think Brooklyn in a sport like basketball when talent matters so much and one player can change the outcome, KD's gonna do his thing and really show why he is one of the best shooters we've ever seen and just one of the best players of all time. And I think I think Harden's gonna get closer to a championship than he's ever been before with this team, but hopefully he falls short. Yeah, I would <laughs> love opinion. to watch him continue to fall short. <laughs> and well actually Kyrie has one I was going to say and Kyrie but he already has one Kyrie already has one and then immediately requested a trade like yeah that's just that's a thing it's just like them winning just validates the fact that you can be a shit teammate and shit person and still win yeah I mean I don't know about <laughs> shit person because I don't but yeah, shit teammate I, I can agree if you're going to if you're going to complain and stuff like that it's not helping your team. But anyway, um, last Eastern Conference series, Atlanta dominating New York, the New York Knicks. They're up, the Hawks are up three to one. Trey Young is proving everyone wrong, every, all of his doubters, first including pl- you and I. Yes, of course. Uh, first player since Steph Curry in 2013 averaged 25 points and 10 assists per game uh, through the four, through first four career playoff games. Hawks have won the last two by a combined 28 points. Julius Randle struggling, Yikes. shooting 20, 27% from the field. I If Julius Randle doesn't get motoring, I don't see how New York can win this series. And I think Atlanta, Trey Young is feeling himself, and they just have everything going for them their way that I, I think this is going to end in maybe two more games at most. I don't think this goes to seven, but – Maybe two more. Yeah, I think this was definitely one of the. Uh, I think this is definitely one of the series in the beginning that everyone thought was like had game had seven games written all over it. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of what happens when you don't have a true star, and you um, really. Your your identity is to just play like, uh, like ground pound ball. Like it's like you know they're not they're not fancy. They're not shooting the lights out. It's a lot of hard work, grit and determination. It's like a even uglier version of the grit and grind Grizzlies. And um, you know, and when the one guy you were counting on goes ice cold, as Randall has, um, whether the moment is too big for him, I don't, or he's just forcing shit i don't know but it's not like rj barrett's been that great um derrick rose has been the best of the three and you know in general like the fact that they were a four seed really shows how much they overachieved because on paper this team should not be a four seed you know like they're still giving taj gibson like 30 minutes a game i think Mm -hmm. and it's just like you know, when you're doing stuff like that, you're it's not a recipe for success. You know, they still have young players. They're still developing. 
Um, I don't think you can give up an OB Toppin as easily as some people suggest they are. No. Um, once again, that's the that's the whole, re, you know, overreacting to the moment and not letting people develop. <clears throat> um, and uh, like Julius Rand, like they have the perfect example in Julius Randall. Like, yeah, people could have given up on him and he could have been out of the league about six different times. But people kept trying and trying, and he kept busting his ass. And it's like, so how are you going to sit there and try and give up on Obi Toppin that quickly when you have the perfect example and why you shouldn't give up on lottery picks right in and, front of you? And I, I've seen across networks, like, people – you know, this is a big topic, and people were saying, like, oh, Julius Randle's like a second or third option now at best. And I'm like, how does he go from a number one option and most improved player – within a week all of a sudden he's you're knocking him down two notches and you need to bring in another score like to like it doesn't make any sense to me and i agree i think this is prisoner of the moment recent memory bias and just getting trapped into someone's got to go so like let's make it topping let's make it kevin knox let's make it someone and you don't necessarily have to do that you can take your time as we're seeing with deandre ayton and phoenix he's really blossoming this postseason having a great postseason um Devin Booker is showing on a national stage what he's been doing for years now mm-hmm. and getting a chance to shine um and it, you know I just I just don't think that if you're the if you're a Knicks fan you have to walk away from this season feeling great top four seed in the east you got a playoff series at Madison Square Garden you got a playoff win in in Madison Square Garden it's house money at this point. Yeah, two years ago, that would have been unfathomable, unfathomable. Like, that's just unheard of. And to see Tom Thibodeau make that progress this year with this team, now you get some good draft picks, you get some younger players, and then, you know, hopefully figure out some things. Maybe Toppin takes another step forward and maybe works as a pairing with Randall. And offers you some versatility. We'll see. Mm-hmm. RJ Barrett made a huge leap. It's just people that didn't really notice it because focusing on Julius Randle a lot more. Um, and I think the Hawks are going to win the series. But if you're a Knicks fan, you got to feel great. I think just Julius Randle is going to come back from this even stronger next season. And this can only help because this is going to give the, this Knicks team some playoff scars. They're going to be battle tested. They're going to come together stronger. And they're just going to be even better uh, by next season. So I, I, th- I think it's the Hawks are going to be the Hawks. Trey Young's going to light them up, and it's going to be pretty, pretty easy the rest of the way. But don't be surprised if the Knicks, the Knicks scrap out a win or two. Yeah, it, you know this, this, this is going back to New York. It could easily, right? It's, now yeah, it goes yeah. one, one, one. Yeah, so now they're alternating. They could easily you show up for Game Five. You get that New York crowd. Everyone's going nuts. You know, they will them to a win. Go back to game six. And, you know, maybe the Hawks start to feel it a little. They're all a bunch of young guys who have never been in a big moment either outside of Lou Williams. And he's not exactly the uh, harbinger of great things and a pressure moment in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you never know. This could easily end up in seven. But the Hawks look – like a well-oiled machine right now. They're playing with a lot of um, positivity. They have a lot of confidence. Uh, Trey is, you know, 
taken a lot of shit personally. I've been one of his biggest haters um, throughout his entire NBA career. I, I, you know, I think he bitches way too much for somebody who's never done shit in this league. I think the calls that he gets sometimes are just very phony. Um, you know, that stupid ass dribble, 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 back up, wait, and then throw, and the refs are falling for it. Um, you know, I think he has a, a build, the a tendency to shoot his team out of games, and he's thrown kind of all that out the window and, you know, has really turned it up this postseason. Um, you know, he's not just sh- shooting and launching from wherever he wants. He's getting his team involved. He's, he's setting up the offense. He, he's getting everyone going. And, you know, that's this kind of Trey Young. This is how he can be dangerous. Um, I don't think he'll still never reach the heights that Luka's probably going to reach. Um, that said, when he's playing the way he's playing now, you're going to get the results that you're getting, which is mm-hmm. averaging wins by 28 points with the talent they have around them. And they have a lot of good young talent. John Collins, I love. I think he's one of the more underrated young players in this league. He doesn't get enough love for the his game. And you got that's DeAndre. What, that's Hunter. what you're saying about this Atlanta team. Trey Young has the talent around him. He just wasn't <clears> using <throat> them at first. And Atlanta mm-hmm. wasn't really figuring out a good way. Coaching staff wasn't really figuring out a good way to get that team rolling and fluid. That was the biggest right. And now, you know, Clint Capello's got a second life. He's he's kind of given the middle finger to the Rockets for just giving up on them and James Harden. Um, Hunter came back from the injury. He looks good. Kevin Herter shooting pretty well now. Um, this team is they're 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 fun to watch. Um, I, I do know, love that. I do they love could that. Definitely Trae steal Young. A, a game or two. They if they finish the series off. They could and the Sixers get to the second round. They could definitely steal a game or two against us. Oh yeah, I love that Trey Young though is embracing the villain and he's just like, oh y'all were talking mm-hmm. shit. Okay, I'm I'm a. I'm gonna deliver the dagger to your Cinderella yeah, you wanna, story. You want to spit on me? Yeah. How about this? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, so and that that Atlanta crowd was into it yesterday, man. Oh yeah, they I, were, that was hot Atlanta at its best. They were they were that, partying in the streets last night. Let me tell that, you, <laughs> that was the most hype I've seen an Atlanta Hawks game since like Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague. Paul Millsap and Al Horford were running the floor, bombing away threes and like twenty. I don't even know if they were hyped that hype back then. Maybe it was like the, one of the Josh Smith teams, probably. Oh, uh, I I read an article and someone mentioned Josh Smith and I forgot about that name and I got like chills down my spine. I was like, oh, forgot about that name. Um, Those were, yeah, with Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Al so Horford. Uh, so let's jump to the West, uh, West where things are a little bit more interesting. Uh, first off, Utah, Memphis. At this moment, uh, we are recording in the middle of Game Four. Seventy uh, to sixty-six, Utah. So Utah's right now edging out Memphis. Uh, Utah's up in the series two to one, um, on Memphis. And to me, my initial reactions to the series is that Utah is just too deep at every position, and. You know, Memphis had another solid season, got into the playoffs, stole a win away in Utah, which I think will be huge moving forward just as a a confidence booster that they can win in big-time situations. But Utah winning the last two games, they've they've scored over 120 points, probably going to get close to 100, not 120, but close to 100 um, in this game. 
uh, game four. I just think that Memphis is just fighting too steep of a hill. And John Moran is playing great. He's averaging like 30 points uh, per game in the series. But it's just it just feels like Utah is just too ready, too hungry, and just really squashing them like bugs at this point. I don't know. I could be wrong. But that's, that's just the way I, I view this series right now. And I think Utah is going to close out in these, these next few games and win it. Rudy Gobert just got teed up, so I'm like super happy <laughs> right now. Uh, Job definitely blocked a shot and they called a foul on him. And then he, he bitched about something and the refs teed him up. Uh, 72 69 now, 71 69. So they're closing defensive in. Defensive hell player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Yeah, right. They're, uh, Memphis is closing in. Yeah, I agree, though. You're right. You know, it's, um, Sorry, not a lot of uh, friction on the podcast tonight, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, also, no, yeah, eleven fifteen just, at night. Not feeling yeah, like totally this is just proven. You know, this is this is just proven that Memphis still has a ways to go. Uh, ja, you know, still has a lot of things he's got to do to improve his game, like his outside shot uh, decision making and whatnot. But all the pieces are there. You know, they they got plenty of. Um, Young guys, they that as long as they keep developing, they keep making smart draft picks and add into their core that it's a team that we could see and hear a lot from over the next five to ten years in the West. Um, Utah, you know, I think they missed Donovan Mitchell that first game, even though I I I am one of the few people that doesn't really buy all the Donovan Mitchell stock. Um, I think he's one of the lesser number ones in the league. Um so, but so they clearly you, love him. That because that's a pretty that's a pretty bold take. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I just don't. I think that if he played in any market, not any, but a more a market that was more major, like if he was in Chicago or Philly or uh-huh. especially New York and LA or even like Miami, I he wouldn't get the law. Like he people wouldn't be like, oh my god, Donovan Mitchell. Uh. Yeah, I think it is a uh, circumstance. Like it's 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 circumstantial to where he plays. Like because he plays in Utah. Yeah. Uh, I think it 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 like it definitely benefits him. Like people like think like of him like it's just like crazy like high flyer explosive. Like yeah, he's athletic, but he's not like if you go and watch like Donovan Mitchell like highlights like. He like barely gets up and hits a, hits the dunks. Like, yeah, that's coming from me, a six foot white boy that <laughs> you know oh. could barely dunk back in the day. Definitely can't now. Like, but like he's Rel- not relative like this, to like, the rest of the NBA. Yeah, it's like and like I, I, can I don't think he's this complete player. He like he's not a dead eye shooter like he thinks he is, and other people think he is. His offensive game isn't that. Uh, like polished he has he has those games when you get a real defender on him like when ben when they played the sixers played him where he shot like 13 for 38 just to get to like 22 points mm-hmm. and so i just you know but they're a deeper team jordan clarkson's had the best year of his career um even though i think gobert isn't as good as on defense as others give him and i think the analytics overrate the shit out of him 
Um, you know, like you said, best help side defender, player of the year. Um, I just, uh, you know, like they, they have a system. Quinn Snyder's a good coach. It's a lot of cohesiveness. This team's been together for a while. Uh, Conley helps out. You know, they got they have Bogdanovich, which they didn't have last year in the bubble. Um, Mitchell is back. And while I don't think he's like this elite player, he's still a very good player. And, um, you know, it's just proving that it's a, it's a more, it's a veteran team. It's been to the playoffs every year since 2016, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, versus a team who's making their first trip in a long time. And I, you know, experience is just showing out now. It's experience. Yeah. Long story short, the experience is proving proving out now. I, I can see what you're saying about the whole Donovan Mitchell thing where, you know, because he's playing in Utah, he's going to get more spotlight on him because he's playing in Utah and no free agent wants to fucking go to Utah for the most no. part. <laughs> um, but not but I think I think the whole athleticism part is just players getting overhyped for the athleticism in general when you see like social media just blow up highlights and you know gym workout videos and vertical jumps mm-hmm. and shit like the combine workouts and shit like that. I, I I don't think it's necessarily like like you said, like compared to us, obviously he's athletic. Obviously he's gonna he's gonna hit his head on the backboard or whatever. But in the relative, I like when people say like Spider taking flight. Like I see those videos on Instagram all the time. I'm like, I'm kind of hey, who, who gave him that nickname himself? I think it originated from like either high school or college. Like oh, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. I don't. If he gave himself that nickname, I, that would be well. It sounds be he are, corny. It, it, when I hear Spider, I think of one of the N1 dudes from the N1 mixtapes. But yeah, That's like you said, like. The gym, the gym workouts. Yeah, we all know how those turn out. Uh, ask any Sixers fan about a gym workout tape and the famous Ben Simmons working on his shot in the summer two years ago. And that still hasn't translated this shit. So no, he's a he's a very good player. I just don't I don't rate him. You're as not you're top. not buying all the hype. He's not a top twenty player in the league to me. Oh, top twenty is a different discussion. See, you had me with top five away taxing, but top twenty is a different discussion. I that's a whole separate pod that we'd have to do. Um but anyway, let's let's keep moving on. So yes, that being said, series over. Uh if Memphis steals one more, I'd be surprised. But as this yeah. game is going on, the further it goes on, every time they get close, they get further away again. Uh I think this this might be over come game five. Agreed. Uh so another kind of flying under the radar series, Denver and Portland. I think people were just expecting Jokic to have his way with Portland's front court. And the Trailblazers have kept this game, kept the series, I should say, excuse me, competitive. In their last game on Sunday, Trailblazers decimated the Nuggets 115 to 95. It was a mauling. I was not expecting that at all. Damian Lillard, it, it, this, this stat, absolutely blew my mind the last time the the trailblazers won a game where damian lillard scored um 10 points or less 
in a game, he scored 10 in this one, was 2015 when the Trailblazers won and he scored 10 points or less. That is nuts. That just, if you, you need more evidence to appreciate Damian Lillard's greatness, that's another mm-hmm. stat because this guy has just been one of the most consistent scorers in the NBA and rightfully deserves to be in the conversation uh, of best point guard in the NBA. And with that being said, Denver just showed the, the vision that I think the front office had with acquiring Norman Powell, getting Robert Covington into the building or in the off season, not necessarily making moves in the front court, which really kind of surprised me. I really thought they were going to try and get more defensive minded front court players, excuse me, but getting signing Derek Jones jr. I think Nasir little has looked better, not necessarily in the stat sheet, but just more fluid and more comfortable on the floor. Roko was supposed to help. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony is, rewriting history and just really enjoying this new chapter with the trailblazers, which is always fun. Um, But yeah, Portland just showed out really impressed because now if these other complete pieces can come together. Now this is when you're going to see the Portland team that I know that they can be, which is why I had them rated so high coming into this season. And that's a scary sign. And for Denver, this was just like a, what the hell just happened? Michael Porter Jr. Shooting one for three, Aaron Gordon shooting two for seven, the two combined for nine points total, a minus 47 in the plus minus category. Nikola Jokic wasn't much better. He was minus 32, seven, seven of 18 shooting. He finished with 16 points in 27 minutes on one for four from three. This was just like a what the what the hell is happening with this team? And um, I don't really have any answers. I think Portland was just defensively played one of their best games and really um, cut the head off the stake with just letting Jokic get his buckets, but locking down everyone else. And even they did a good job of locking down Jokic. Nurkic is giving Jokic really big problems uh, on the offensive end of the floor. And I just... I'm really impressed. I think this will be one of the one of the opening round upsets. I think Portland will win this series. I think it's going to be six or seven. Um, definitely think Jokic is going to come out and respond, and Denver is going to be ready to roll. But I don't think Portland's going to go away quietly. You know, Damian Lillard's going to want to respond. And overall, really impressed from Portland in this victory. And I think it's going to be a sign that Denver needs to tweak some things now. And they can't wait. Otherwise, this championship window uh, may be closing soon, in my opinion. But that's just me. Um, it's definitely going seven. It's just, I mean, if you look at the scores, game three was the only one that was close. Outside of that, both Portland wins have been uh, double-digit victories. And game two uh, was a double-digit victory for the Nuggets. Um it's the thing. It's like strength against like weakness. Like they trailblazers have one of the best scoring uh, backcourt tandems in the league and McCollum and Dame um, who we're both huge fans of. And um, the nuggets have one of the best big men and just best players all around and Jokic and, you know, the nuggets just, you know, Nurkic just doesn't seem to be fully healthy and who knows if he ever is going to be fully healthy 
Zach Collins has been injured for the better part of a century at this point, it seems. Uh, as much as Ennis Cantor is fun and I uh, fully support his, you know, freedom of speech and what he, he's doing to stand up to that dictator that is, you know, the president of Turkey. Um, he's no defensive, uh, you know, genius. genius. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's not a really out. Yeah, he's merely out there for his offense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Jokic has all day and to really exploit that along with Aaron Gordon. And then on the flip side, you know, you don't have Jamal Murray. You traded Gary Harris. So you're really rolling out Monte Morris and that composite dickhead, whatever his name is. He, he God, he's annoying. He is a freaking nap. You don't like Camposo? I'm sure. I'm sure I'd like him if he was a Sixer. Oh yeah. Oh my. He's God. one of Sixers he's fans one of those nuts for him. He's one of those guys. Um. So you know, would you know uh, who who is there starting now? I'm trying to think. Who are they starting? Denver. Yeah. So Denver started uh, Gordon Porter Jr., Jokic, Campazzo, and Austin Rivers. Yeah. So Campazzo and Austin Rivers aren't doing anything to stop Dame McCollum. You know what I mean? No. And Porter Jr. hasn't really gotten going yet in this series. I think he had one maybe solid game. Um, They're relying way too heavily on Austin Rivers to be taken seriously. You know, we all thought that when Jamal Murray, when I say we, I mean you and I and all any normal sports fan – Jamal Murray went down. We all kind of were like, poor Nuggets. They were really playing well. That Aaron Gordon trade looked like it was working out. This yeah. kind of sucks for them, especially Murray. He was starting to get back in the groove again. Yeah. And he goes down, and they never really submarine like we all thought they were going to be. They held court. You know, they still got the three seed. Um, and then, unfortunately, the reward was getting the, play- the Blazers, a team that knocked them out of the playoffs two years ago on their own home court. So. It's going seven, I think, and it could go either way. Um, I'm just going to say that the Blazers pull, pull it out again. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jokic really just has been kind of maintaining his, his you know, juice. And Yeah, it was just, it was just it weird seeing, like, Jokic just looks so out of it and just struggling. I it's just That's really a, intriguing. The, th- to the me. thing is with him is you, you don't ever know if he's just out of it or not because he plays so reserved. Yeah. He's so like I don't want to say lackadaisical because it's not the proper term, but he's just Cerebral. so like, Yeah, he's like Sam Fwa about it. He's just like <laughs> he's just like there doing his thing. Cerebral is actually the Unless the best unless way he to... thinks the refs get a foul call wrong, then he right, throws his arms you know, up and then That's a, you know the European but yeah. no, cerebral is the best way to. That's actually the best way to term it. So thank you. Um, you're welcome. I think Portland wins. Uh, probably go six or seven. Uh, but let's let's move on. Got a couple more series to get to. Lakers and Suns. Everyone was really like writing off the Suns after Game Three, and Chris Paul just reminded everyone why he's one of the best leaders of this of the modern NBA. Suns tied up, tied a series up at two games apiece. Anthony Davis goes down with a groin injury. He's questionable for game five uh, as of right now, as we're taping this. Uh, 
that's going to be a huge loss, and that could really change the tide of the way this series turns out in my mind. Phoenix just looks like they're just firing on all cylinders. There's no other way to really kind of say, like, coming off of a game three where everyone was saying the Lakers look like they're the, they're the champions again. They look like they're mm-hmm. the defending, the defending uh, champions. For Phoenix to come out like the way they did and get a tough win on the road, Jay Crowder no, has been. Um, my bad, my bad. No, yeah, no. Uh, to like, I'm thinking. Take, I'm just thinking the Lakers are because the, the Lakers that there's any chance like it would like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just no. me not thinking. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's just to get that tough one on the road is very impressive in my mind and just shows how. Chris Paul looks healthier than he has earlier in this series. He showed out and had his really his best performance uh, of the early stages of these playoffs with 18 points uh, and nine assists to go with three steals. And he just all over the floor really just is the heart of this team. And I think Phoenix wins this series. I don't, especially with AD dealing with a groin injury coming back in this series, whenever he does come back, that's going to be tough for him to manage that. And I think Phoenix is just healthier. They're younger. I've been saying this all this time, but the Lakers, I think are just worn down from a shortened off season and trying to battle through all these injuries and all this COVID stuff. And I don't think LeBron's I, I, as much as I hate to bet against LeBron, I don't think LeBron's going to be able to dig out of this hole. And he doesn't look healthy either. And he's like, it's almost like he's like taking halves off and then like gearing up to the other um i agree with you that uh the chris paul looked a lot better last yesterday and when he is going you can see just how much better the suns are mm-hmm. it just it just goes it's like how we i was saying the sixers lose their identity without Embiid, yeah. without it without chris and that's what i was saying it's like crazy you think he's like the point guard well that that this is what i mean exactly when chris paul is there and he's it, everything's running smoothly. It is a beautiful. That team is so much fun to watch. And um, Cameron Payne is actually this is another guy that a lot of people wrote off. He was a late draw lottery pick uh, out of Murray State back in twenty fourteen, maybe twenty fifteen by the Thunder. Um, you know, and he, he he eventually has made his way around the league, and he was in China at some point last year. The Suns had him in the bubble, um, and then they liked how he was, and they signed him. And Monty Williams and Chris Paul have really got a lot out of him, and he's he's looked really good this series. Devin Booker for his first time in the playoffs, you wouldn't know it because he's stepped mm. up huge. Um, like I said, Jay Crowder's been hitting big shots. Ayton looked awesome yesterday, just yeah. taking it to. I mean, he bitched up Drummond for a good five-minute period in that third quarter. They completely swung that game for them. He just took it to Andre Drummond, and Andre Drummond got his ass benched and never saw the light of day again. Um, <laughs> yeah, Aiton's been awesome. I really like what I've seen out of him. Um, and, yeah, Chris Paul looked healthy. He had that classic patented mid-range game, which it's so beautiful to watch. It's like an old man thing to say on my part, but like, just like how he just like dribbles the ball, like even the way he dribbles, it's just smooth. He's just waiting. He's waiting. You know, he gets into the lane. He sees it. 
And then he, he comes in and then kind of goes to the side, sees where he's going, does that fall away, and just hits that 18-footer. Yeah. And it's just money. It is it, – it's it's so beautiful to watch. And you can it, – it, it's like – it's precision. It's, it's like a surgeon. You can see it happening and just watch him do that. It is – if you have a kid out there and you want, he, he wants to be a point guard, Chris Paul is one of the better people you can watch, have him study, mm-hmm. because that shot will never go away. I don't care how much three-pointers become important in this game. If you can hit that shot as a point guard, especially one who's smaller, it, it will make you invaluable. And Agreed. when Chris, Chris Paul can bitch and whine with the best of them, and you know through the years I've gone from loving him at Wake Forest to hating him and liking him in on New Orleans, to liking him a little bit, to hating him on the Clippers because how much he bitched, to really not liking him on the Rockets because of Harden, and then you know reverting back to liking him on the Thunder last year, and it's just I, I hate myself now because you uh, it took away from really appreciating one of the better players in the last fifteen to twenty years in this league, and how good he just truly is. He's one and of the greatest floor generals ever. Ever. And it's just, you know, appreciate. we need to appreciate it while it lasts. This is two years in a row now. He's gone to a franchise that had no hope, really, or, you know, had it, you know, he went to the OKC team that clearly had been to the playoffs with Ross and Katie and then Russ and Paul, or Paul George. Um, but they weren't like when that trade was made, it was like, all right, this is them cleaning house. And he yeah. took a young inexperienced OKC team, got them to the playoffs and took them to a seventh a game seven and almost won that series. Mm-hmm. Went to the Suns this year. And when he got there, people were like, Oh, maybe he'll do the same thing, but you never knew where the parts going to click. Was Devin Booker going to take it? And he did it. He did it. And it just shows. And it, it's just, we need to appreciate him like a national treasure and I look forward to watching those games every just, especially in case the Suns lose, just to watch Chris Paul work that mid-range game and work the floor general game that he does. Okay. And uh, you know what? I'll go out on the limb with you, and I'll say they win. In, I'll say they win in seven. I'll say Suns win in seven. I I think that's more than fair. Um, well, yeah, I agree. Give give players the flowers while they're still here, and give them an opportunity not give them an opportunity but just appreciate it don't get so caught up in the whole oh, he plays for this team or whatever just just love it while it's here and just appreciate the game for what it is um so yeah with the lakers i think they're just hobbled and i don't really see them climbing out of this hole uh and like you said with man, LeBron, anthony davis man the same thing with joel like Dude. And AD's been worse than Joel, which oh, is... he's he no, he has. I I, I agree. I'm, like with the injuries, I'm just, wise. I'm just upset. Yeah, I'm just upset with Joel right now. Uh, yeah, then. we're all we're just like, God damn it, Joel. Not uh, him in general, just, just just the situation. But yeah, AD, man, like, dude, man up. Like, like the playoffs. I don't know if I can man up about a groin strain. I get, I get, I can't walk uh, when I get like a Charlie horse, I let alone that, a groin strain. Knows, I'm saying how significant I, because you can't, with him, you don't know. He could just have no pain tolerance. I mean, well, that's what, that's what LeBron said after last season was he was fighting through a toe injury that whole postseason. 
and Who finished out. AD was or he was? A- AD was. AD uh, was, I was fighting. I was going to say, LeBron makes up a new injury. Oh, I broke my hand when I punched that wall. Sure you do, LeBron. I've convinced LeBron, LeBron tweets in between acting classes. That's my whole thing now is that Le- whenever LeBron oh my tweets, God, right? he, he just that tweets. That dumb him. face he makes. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I know in Dead Milk, nothing like that, but that, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I, AD is just one of those big men who's just had a troubled medical history and there's nothing really can you can do about it. They're just free plays that happen. He's, and... he's just paper soft. I think is what it is. Okay. That I was, mean, he's a great, he's a great was, player. That was, that was Timmy Gorman. That was not Matt McLaughlin. That, that does not reflect the views of this company. He's, he's, I don't want no smoke with AD. He's a phenomenal talent, but I just, it's just, you know, how many games did he miss this year? A lot. I don't want to. How many games did he miss in his career? You know, and it's, oh, yeah. I, it's just, I, oh, you know, it was with New Orleans. Like, it was not like they were going very far. I mean, he had Drew Holiday there. Yeah, well, it was New Orleans and like Golden State in their prime. Let's be honest. Like, come right out. But still, anyway, but yeah. So, yeah. But let's move on to the other LA team, the Clippers. They somehow came down from a 2 0 hole against the Dallas Mavericks, tied the series up at two apiece. Um, and won the last game, game four, in dominant fashion. 106-81 was the final score. That wasn't Clippers even a just, game. That was an ass whooping. Yeah. Um, Clippers were shooting well compared to the Mavericks, 39.4% from three, compared to Dallas' 16.7 uh, from the free that's throw all, line. That's all it was, a 39? Yeah. You could have fooled me. I didn't think I, I don't think I saw them miss. Uh, Clippers from the free throw line, 75%. Dallas from the free throw line, 64%. We're going to talk about Luka uh, and his free throw line struggles. A little bit. <laughs> uh, Dallas out-rebounded by 12 was a stat that I wanted to highlight just because that's more second-chance opportunities for the Clippers to capitalize on. Um, and another stat, from this is from statmuse.com. Uh, Luka has been more efficient from the field, so he's shooting 49% from the field. Then the free throw line, shooting 40%, about 40% in this series. Unacceptable. He is dealing with nerve damage in his neck as recent as uh, a couple of nights ago. So he is playing through that. And Chris Tapps Porzingis has not been the Porzingis that we've seen with the New York Knicks. He looks like a shell of himself. Combined 25 points over the last two games. Minus 21 in the plus minus in game four. And Campazzo. Who was 411 or not 411? He'd be illegally a, a little <laughs> person. Uh, he's 511, is averaging the same amount of rebounds as a 7 3 Chris Tapps Porzingis with four rebounds per game in this series. That shows you all you really need to know. Um, I think the Clippers have finally woken up, and that's pretty much it. I don't think Mavericks win another game in this series. There's no real talent helping out Luka. Um, and I think Luca playing with nerve damage in his neck is a terrifying and B just that's, there's no way, even a healthy Luca, this would have been a steep hill. Now it's like Mount Everest. And I think the Clippers getting their asses handed to him the first two games in the series, just woke him up. And I think they're going to win the rest of the way. And this is going to end in six, in my opinion. So when did this nerve damage thing start? Do we know? It was first released yesterday i think it was like first release like yesterday or the night before their last game like i didn't hear about it until i think woge reported it um like a few nights before their game tip off tipped off excuse me 
Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, man, because everyone was writing the Clippers obituary uh, five days ago. Yeah. Me included. It was kind of hilarious. Like, they tanked to purposely get the Mavs and then got their – not butts handed to them, but lost their first two games at home after they spent the better part of two years talking all this smack about how they're here to take L.A. from the Lakers, which is, A, calm down, Steve Ballmer. It's never going to happen. It's why you're moving out to you're, – you're moving in, out to Inglewood. Uh, B, you can't say you're going to take this take L.A. over and then do the bitch move of purposely losing to get a more favorable matchup. Yeah. If you're taking anything over, you take on all comers and you win. Um, that said, I, I thought they would just roll over. I, you know, I thought they maybe get one game out of this, but then, um, Dallas would just kind of go back to it, but they, you know, Przingis not being the had never having regained the form he showed his rookie year. Um, it's, it's a shame. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if he's scared. I don't know if he just doesn't care, but it's, it's a shame because they gave up some, they gave up some assets to get him. And I wish, I think they probably wish they could have some of those assets back now. Um, yeah. You know, it's basically Luca and the Luca X at this point, you know, outside of that, you know, you just got, you know, Jalen Brunson, uh, Tim Hardaway, Josh Richardson, us as Sixers fans kind of know what you're getting with him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's yeah, it's not – Luka can only do so much. And as we covered, as you covered, he's shooting an abysmal 40-some percent from the three-throw line, which is unacceptable. I, I'm not saying it's acceptable, but if he's been dealing no, no, with no, this no, neck no, strain no, like no, the I, entire no, series – this is just more uh, a mini rant of like, how uh, do people, how do these NBA players still not understand how crucial it is to be a good free throw shooter uh, and how important that is? To yeah, your, yeah. I just, it's not hard. It's called a free throw. There are free points, guys. Okay. And, and like it's crazy, like, and I get that Luca isn't a dead eye shooter yet. That's another thing he kind of needs to work on, along with some of his decision making. But it literally is like, not like, it's not Worse hard than ben at all. Simmons. Like people think about it, and it's like, dude, you literally get the ball, do whatever you have to do pre pre thing, bend your knees, come up in all one smooth motion, follow it like. You know, with the ball down in your waist, and as, as you're coming up from out of the bend knee bend, bring the ball up in a one smooth shooting motion and just release it, and you'll hit it. You'll you'll hit ninety percent of your free throws. Watch any good free throw shooter, and that's exactly what they do. Not exactly, but it's some degree of, of what they do. Yeah, it's same the same fluid motion, and I just don't I don't understand it. Like it's one thing if you have hands that are literally the size of a planet like Shaq or Gian, Giannis or something like that. Or Kawhi. But if you're a guard, yeah, or Kawhi, but if you're a guard, like, dude, even Embiid, he's a center shooting like 88%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't – I don't get how anybody, let alone a point guard, 
nerve damage or not, can shoot. He only, and I'm looking at it right now. He only shot 73% from, from the free throw line. That's not good. Especially Solid, for someone it could who, be better. I'm it's not okay. It's but for someone who gets there as much as, much as he yeah. probably does. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. All the momentum was in Dallas's favor. And now the Clippers stole it right back. And if Luke is not healthy, Porzingis seems like he's never going to come out of the shell that he went into after he tore his ACL. And without those two, especially Luca performing that all, on all cylinders, like, and if the Clippers are just going to freaking drill 33-pointers a game or whatever they hit yesterday, it's game over. You know, Kawhi looked great last night. Paul George looked awesome last night after a slow start. Um, you know, they had everyone going – uh, Zubac was just dominating the paint. Uh, yeah, I, 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 unfortunately, I think the series is over. I, I don't think Mavs. I don't think the Mavs are winning another game either. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it happening. Um, so that wraps up our coverage. Now it's time to get into the fun segment of the week. Uh, old men yelling at clouds. Uh, we just pick one thing that we like to beef with that we think is getting either overblown out of proportion or not getting talked about enough. Just kind of talk about it and why it's not getting enough coverage um or why it's completely wrong etc but so i'll go first my uh beef for this week was the coverage and overreaction to the fan incidents at different playoff games this week now if you're not aware at the Knicks game at during the Knicks series a, a new york Knicks fan spit on trey young uh during the philly se- 76er series a fan threw popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he was heading to the locker room uh, in Boston. I kind of talked about earlier in the show, um, a fan threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving as the Celtics were leaving the floor. Um, just even tonight's game, a wizards fan ran onto the court and got tackled by a security officer. Like I'm sure there are incidents I'm missing, but those are just two, the ones that are off the top of my head. I'm not saying that what the fans are doing is correct or like justifying that, obviously, because you're a fan. You go to a ticket. Yeah, you can yell, scream, do whatever, like yell, scream and, you know, say some names, whatever. But there's a line. There's a line there. You don't be a dumbass and cross a line in certain areas. But the coverage of we're supposed to like accept that the harshest penalty should be put is blows my fucking mind. Like Stephen A. Smith went on first take this morning and said that Celtics fan is should have been arrested, should have been it been put in jail, put in jail and should have stayed in jail for at least another night. And that to me blows my fucking mind. Like, again, not saying what the fans did was right. Not at all. Ban the Celtics did the right thing. Ban the TD guard. Ban him from the Garden for life. That should have been the end of it. He got his, he he got his fame. He got arrested. Hopefully, that shamed him enough that he was like, "That I was drunk. I was a dumbass. Whatever." But to put a dude in jail for throwing a water bottle, that's where I'm like, time out, time out. We got to take a break here, like that. That's insane. No matter who the no matter who the fan is, 
that's nuts. Like this, the team should handle it, ban them from the arena for life or whatever. That's fine. I, I, I even, I think that's a little bit of a stretch because like, you're going to ban this dude from like going to a game with his buddies for the rest of his life, just because of one stupid mistake, but that can get lifted anyway. To me, like Shaq and Charles Barkley made great points on inside the NBA on TNT. Like this has been going on for decades. It just hasn't been published that much. It's been going on since Ewing was playing college basketball. I can remember, you know, seeing some footage of like him oh, playing the, at Villanova. The shit that he used to endure. Is terrible. Yeah. And like, you know, signs like Ewing can't read or Ewing's an ape and throwing you know, bananas at him on the floor. Yeah. And the like, shit Oscar Robertson used to hear. Like it is 10 times worse than having a water bottle or some popcorn thrown on you. Like we said, like you said, though, not condoning it. Not condoning it, but like, does the punishment fit the crime? Is my argument, and that's where I'm like, we're overstep, we're overcompensating here. The pendulum is swinging way too far on the other side. I think it's absolutely insane that someone has to. This dude's facing like actual, like could be facing like actual jail time for this, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, Shams, 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 uh, reported that uh faces assault and battery with a de- with a dangerous weapon and will be arraigned on Tuesday Boston PD said for a plastic water bottle for throwing a plastic water bottle at an, at a sporting event where he was probably probably drunk Look and like, like KD made a great point he was like just ha- I'm paraphrasing but the KD basically said like just have some respect for yourself like don't be an idiot like because that's just gonna and i get what he was saying like it, it's it's just a bad decision and like shaq said i played in the sec but like you said chuck like you played what 12 years 15 years in the nba this has been going on for decades and it will keep going on barkley even said this is this is never going to stop because there are always going to be stupid fans out there and that's where i'm like I'm not just going to drink the Kool-Aid and accept this fan should go to jail time for throwing a fucking water bottle. Like, let's relax here. Time out. Ban him from life for the arena. Don't let him get season tickets. And that should be the end of it. Right. No, I, 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 I agree wholeheartedly. It's like, like, it's almost like fans forgot, we AS fans forgot how to act because we've been away for so long. I agree with you. I'm not condoning it. It's stupid. Just like the idiot who dumped the popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Um, but like doing jail time for throwing an empty Dasani water bottle is like moronic. But it's also like the water bottle and the popcorn got way more attention than a guy spitting on Trey Young. Trey Young, yeah. And it's like the Philly, like, oh, and the Philly fan did this, and it's just like, all right, man, like, dude, the New York fan actually fucking hocked the loogie on someone. Yeah. Like, he could get he could get a disease. What if that guy has, like, an infection? All it has to do is, like, get in Trey's, like, eye or his mouth or hit his bloodstream in some way, and he's infected. You know what I mean? So, like, that's ten times worse. Um, Yeah, I, I just, I just, you know, I agree, and, like, Stephen A. Smith, it's just being a his stereotypical shock jock self. The problem is with Stephen A. Smith is he's actually an intelligent man, but yeah. the absurdity of the shit he says is just so preposterous sometimes. It's like 
I don't know. I don't want to go that way, but it's just like, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if it depends, like if it, it, if like it was like Gordon Hayward that was getting the bottle thrown in him, would he, would he agree, feel the same? Well, That's all I'm going to say. No, like I, I get what you're saying. And Stephen A was like, I think this was premeditated. I think this. Yeah, they, which is ridiculous. What they were doing. I was like, if it was premeditated and they rolled up to the arena, they would think of way more ways than just throwing right. a water bottle as the team's heading to the locker room after a, a win. Like, that, that, give them more th- credit than that. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, why is it premeditated? Well, what what's the what's your reasoning behind it? Yeah, because as a white fan and an African American, or just because you think that Boston fans wanted to take it out on Kyrie, and that's where there's another issue. I I I take I take umbrage with, I don't know. In general, like you said, we're not condoning it. It's stupid on all accounts. Like don't don't let a couple idiots ruin it for the rest of us. Like no 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 athlete should be treated that way like mm-hmm. even if we like even like like i don't like i don't like these players and I'm, it's not like i don't like them as humans like well maybe harden because he's probably i just don't like him and Kyrie, your, your hardened beef has been well documented harden or Kyrie bugs the shit out of me with his whole like you know i'm nostradamus shit um or whatever the fuck he wants to be that said um like yeah, I can't stand Rudy Gobert, and I think he's overrated, and he shouldn't win fucking Defensive Player of the Year. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go to a Sixers game and be like, "Hey, Rudy, you fucking French pussy, take this," and like throw something at him. I'm just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even going to sit in the stands and say anything to him. I'm just going to be like, "Boo, Gobert, that's it." Yeah, and it's just like that's the shit, man. Like when I go to these games and I see like little kids standing like like in front of me or next to me with their dads and then there's like the asshole fans that are just like fuck you whoa i'm like and it's like dude there's a little kid right here it's like come on man first yeah. of all second of all come on, like why do you need to say that like why do you have to go to a game and be that person like i remember specifically i went to a villanova versus Mar- marquette game back in 2012 this is back when nova like before they went on the this new tear where they got really good again Mm-hmm. And it was when Butler and Jay Crowder were on, were on Marquette, and you know Jay Crowder's got the dreads, and yeah. there's this old dude there who's like a Villanova grad, like like clearly in his seventies or eighties, and he's there with like his son and clearly like his grandkids or something, and clearly he's bothered by the fact that Jay Crowder has like dreads in a ponytail, and he's just like, "You're a bum, thirty-two, cut your hair, you lady." Why do you have and the whole game? He just kept, you're a bum God. 32. You suck. You, you bum 32. What are you doing out there? You woman cut your hair. You cut your hair. You woman. What are you a man? you like an all game. This is this guy. You're a bum. You suck 32. So finally, the, one of the, my buddies I'm with turned around and was just like, why does it bug you so much that another man has his hair in a ponytail? Like straight up yeah. called him out of this or whatever, and he was like, "Shouldn't you respect your? Didn't your parents tell you to respect your elders?" My friend was was like, "Yeah, didn't they? He, yeah, they did. They also told me to just treat somebody as I want to be treated myself." Yeah, exactly. Like, but it's just like, dude, like, dick. what? 
like you're that pissed off that Jay Crowder has dreads in a ponytail and he's yeah. just you're a bum 32 like he just kept saying it the whole game and I'm pretty sure Dre Crowder dropped like 25 that game on Villanova and Marquette won. He was a bucket. He was a bucket. Thank God. But it was just like that shit is unnecessary. And I agree with you. And it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just idiocy on all levels that needs to end. Yeah. You know, agreed. from the fans, from the journalists, from the athletes, like we all do shit that crosses the line and, you know, there's no reason for us to be sitting there and heckling them in a in a in a derogatory way. We shouldn't be assaulting them with empty water bottles or other items. You know, sports journalists shouldn't be there making preposterous claims of send that guy to jail for a plastic water bottle and all this other dumb shit. And then the athletes shouldn't come out and, you know, just say shit and do things that are basically insulting to the general population who kind of pay for their salary. Yeah. I'd, and and yeah. To, to Stephen A's credit, he has made the point multiple times where he said, would Kyrie be saying all this if he wasn't making 30 plus million dollars a year? Like mm-hmm. there's still guys in the league who are just trying to, to take that next step in their contracts and, they're not going to come out and say all that because the owners don't like that. That's just the way no. the system works. Kyrie would be that annoying dude you work with who's just a preposterous asshole that <laughs> thinks he's better than everyone and like doesn't <laughs> listen and then tells you to do his work for him. <laughs> not wrong there. Um, yeah. Do you want to give your uh, old man? Yeah, so class? I'll try and wrap. I'll try to be quick about this, even though the word quick in me doesn't don't really go along. hand in hand. Yeah. Um, so on top of what we kind of talked about earlier, and you know, I've had a discussion with you, I've had it with other people because I am usually, uh, as my friends can tell you from growing up playing basketball with me, probably was one of the kids, you know, my younger years who bitched a lot of the refs and always just thought it was the refs that were making bad calls. Uh, part of the household I was raised in because my dad is like the king of like these fucking refs. <laughs> Um, I try to get better, but you know, I still have my moments like tonight. I was not happy with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I talked to other people throughout the night and a lot of them, a lot of people said the same shit, like the rest were atrocious. So I'm like, all right, at least I don't think it's just me being me. That said, it is just gotten to a point where league wide, the officiating is an absolute travesty and Adam Silver and the players association, everyone needs to come together and changes need to be made. And it, it, it from the fact that, like, fouls are being called that shouldn't be fouls. Fouls aren't being called when they should be fouls. There's no – there's a clear definition of what an intentional foul and a flagrant foul is, but they never seem to be upheld. Today, Ben Simmons went to the rack, and Russell Westbrook wrapped his arms around him mid-flight and pulled him down, and it was called a common foul. How I don't know because yeah. he made no attempt on the ball. He wrapped his arms around him and it, it, could have taken um, it more by the neck. Could have taken yeah, exactly. Could have taken it more by the neck, and somehow it was a fucking common foul. We're lucky that Ben didn't get injured on it. And it's like, and then I've seen worse where it's just like the guy comes around and grabs him in the stomach real quick so he doesn't jump up and they call it flagrant. And then on top of the whole thing with the hack a thing, it's like 
he's just walking down and they've made it. And I don't know if it's just, I think it might just be in the NCAA where it's basically like, you can't just deliberately like grab someone's arm when you're, when they're inbounding the ball to create a foul because they call it intentional. And I think the same should be said in the NBA. I really do. It's like, like they're like, they get the ball inbound it. It get they get the ball to Tyrese Maxey. He starts dribbling, and not one, not two, but three wizards ran over to Simmons and just started grabbing him. Yeah, how was that a basketball play? Yeah, it isn't at all. I, and I if agree they want to do that, that so either call an intentional foul or be like, nope, he didn't have the ball. I'm not calling it, yeah. and just let us go have a have a go. Let us have a four on two break because uh-huh. it's not it's bullshit. And people no. could be like, well, then he needs to learn to shoot his free throws. And it's like, okay, well, then they need to learn to play the game right because that's a cheap fucking tactic. And only teams that know that they're outmatched would use some cheap ass pulley like that, like Scott Brooks. Like the last three minutes of the game, it's just walking. Yeah, down and the they did it in board. both. They did it in both halves, and it was bullshit. And on top of that, to go hand in hand with it, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the refs making these calls that they're not sure of. Is the the absolute whining crybaby bullshit that all the players and coaches are doing. I think I saw Scott Brooks at least three different times today, if not more, literally after the Sixers scored a bucket in the ref's face with his arm out, motioning that the Sixers guy pushed off. And it's like, and and we've gotten to the point that it's like anytime someone someone gets scored on or they score a basket, they're immediately going to the refs. Like if they get scored on, it's like, he, he pushed off or he hit me, he slapped me in the face or they score a basket. They immediately turn around and they grab their wrist or they, they, they hit, they, they, they hold their face like, Oh, he got me. And it's like, it needs to stop there. They, Adam Silver needs to start passing out a mandate where it's like, if you provoke the refs or like there's something has to be done to curtail that and to have a more um, cohesive understanding of the rule book and more consistent foul calls because it is ruining the game. It's getting, making it harder to watch. And it's like the Sixers are the one seed and I feel like they've been getting hosed all series. No. Yeah. I, they're definitely, I feel the same way during certain games. Um, I think the refs have to be more willing to just be hard asses and don't give them that, those calls. And when they go for explanations, don't give them a fucking explanation. Like just say, I'm not taking any of your shit and just move on, walk away from the situation. I think the way the refs handle the situation sometimes is not needed. You don't need to give every single player an explanation, give them to the coach. If they need it, right. if the coaches need it. That's fine. But, or a captain, have a designated person that's the yeah. pitcher too. Like, yeah. be like, all right, Chris Paul is the person that gets to talk. And if you want an explanation, Chris, you can go to this guy and like, hey, why wasn't you know what I mean? Like, yeah, each team that, instead of because having, instead of like every single guy on the court looking for a foul call, and it, it just it just deri- dilutes the quality of the game, and it affects the calls later on. So like, a call gets made, and Westbrook doesn't think it's a call, or Scott Brooks doesn't, or you know, or Chris Paul or LeBron or somebody, and then they go and they bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch at the refs, and then the refs are like, all right, I'll make a makeup call. They don't say that, yeah. but then they go and do it, and you know that it's a call because LeBron bitched and moaned about the, the foul call he got. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's just- every time LeBron gets called for a foul, he immediately goes and gives that face. 
the shocked face and does the point, the double point in his chest, like, like me? No. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, LeBron, you you fouled him. You literally punched him in the back of the head, like, <laughs> like he's never done that. But you know what I mean? It, it's, it's just, it's something needs to be done because. What, not even just a Sixers game. It, it's there's so many games I just watched recently, and it's like it, the officiating is just so piss poor. And these refs have no like. It's like that should have been a flagrant one on Westbrook tonight, and it wasn't. And I've seen softer ones called, and it's like there there has to be a meeting where it's, yeah. it's like, listen, if they wrap in any way possible flagrant immediately yeah just establish a consistency a consistent basis and just to give the fan an idea because that's when it's like i love reggie miller on the call too that that was just a good hard foul fuck you reggie because if that was you getting your bitch ass in the 90s getting pulled down you would have got up and immediately cried like the little girl you were being like You know, so uh, I don't. It's just yeah. like, and and, and on that note, really let's wrap game. it up. Let's wrap it up. And on that note, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, follow us on all of our social media platforms. Check out the website, the whole nine yards. Uh, and thank you for Timmy for uh, coming in on the show. And we'll see how the rest of these playoff series shake out. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.